Welcome to the Warrior Women Project podcast, helping you become a warrior woman, sort your shit and find better balance in your life. Check that I'm recording. Yep. So today I have with me um, a lady called Jean Spensley, who I've met through an online business mentoring group. And I had put a post out asking if MD would be interested in sharing any of their story with me and Jane was one of the first I think in the group to put her hand up that day. So we have arranged for her to come on to the podcast to have a chat. So Jane, welcome to the podcast. How are you today? I'm great, thank you. Thanks for having me. Absolute pleasure. So why don't we not just jump straight in and you tell the listeners a little bit about who you are and what it is that you do just now. Okay, well what I do now is... um, I am a teacher of meditation, uh, a wellness coach, so I help people to kind of change their behavior in relation to their their wellness. That's kind of the lot, physical, mental, um, you know, emotional, and to basically re-help them rediscover who they are Mm. and change the habits that are not serving them. Yeah. Basically, we've all got them, and, and... you know, uh, I've got my own journey in that, a big one. So yeah. I kind of understand it as well from a personal level. You know what I'm saying? It's not just like about, not just professional. Yeah, yeah. I think when you've got your own journey and your own story behind that, and if it's something that you can then share, it resonates with people that they can then go, she's been through something, she'll understand Whereas if it looks like somebody's life has been absolutely perfect and everything's been handed to them in a plate, you're going to go, you're not going to know any know what pain's like. Although they possibly do, but if you're not sharing it, it's yeah, it's not out there. So would you like to share some of your story or all of your story or any of it with us? Flipping it, where do I start? Go away. Okay, so I've been through the um, being overweight, distorted eating. Yeah. Um, drugs. Yeah. Recreational. Binge drinking, that was my latest one. Massive. Mm. Right. But I mean, when I say latest one, I, um, it's, it's been two and a half, two and a bit years. So it is. So it's not that, like, it wasn't that weekend. So, um, but it starts. What I, do you know what I really like to share is this little bit of wisdom that I've discovered. Go for it. Um, because I think this could really help people to be aware of this. I would say, and I'll share my, how, how I discovered this. Yeah. But I would say for anyone who is kind of suffering um, with any form of addiction, and, and most of us are addicted to something or other. Yeah. Um, or, or let's say unhealthy habits mm, yeah. that they're unhappy with. Yeah. Yeah. Um, within all those things that we don't like about ourselves, those, within all those behaviours, there's always a gift to be found. Mm, yeah, definitely always yeah only we're often too busy beating ourselves up shaming ourselves for it hiding it that we we don't see it yeah and if i could open one person's mind to that possibility Mm. it it makes a big difference yeah what was the gift you discovered well the first one, okay, let's all start and go way back. So this was like in my 20s. I'm now in my 40s. And when I just left school and I had just like a, a, an office job, boring. It was just a receptionist and uh, life was like nine, five. And then kind of like going out on the weekends, yeah. you know. Um, and then the rave sink appeared yeah where yeah. We, you know all the all the house music all the dancing in the fields all that yeah. high energy stuff well <laughs> i discovered that and i fell in love yeah right there with you <laughs> fell in love 
Okay, I was probably about a couple of stone overweight at this time as well. Um, and once I discovered that, that became my life every weekend. You know, you used to live for that weekend. Yeah. You didn't know where you're going to go. What fields are you going to be? Oh, where are we going to go? And it, it was just massive. And there was the Hacienda that appeared in Manchester, which became huge. Yeah. Um, I wasn't really a drinker, maybe a bit, but I can't really remember myself as a drinker. But then in came all the recreational drugs. Mm -hmm. And it took me a while. And then I had a little dabble. Mm -hmm. Oh, that was it. <laughs> that was it. It was like I'd found something that matched my energy. I could keep going all night and everything was so much more vibrant. Yeah. Um, so that was the life, that was the lifestyle, kind of working nine, five, Monday to Friday, sat down in an office, living for the weekend. By Wednesday, I would get twitchy. Yeah. It's nearly twitchy. the weekend. Yeah. Oh, is it that anticipation? And, and yeah. Um, and so they formed the kind of like first addiction. And a lot of people wouldn't necessarily recognise that behaviour as an addiction. Oh, it is? Yeah, yeah. Oh, let's say attachment. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, um, but yeah, like I said, by Wednesday, I would be really, really twitchy for Friday or Saturday. Mm. And it seemed like too long <laughs> to wait, you know? So, and anyway, luckily, it wasn't the type of thing you could do on a Wednesday night, because if it was, I'm sure I would be there. But I was always pretty sensible around work, you know what I mean? So yeah. maybe not. But what I discovered in all that, while I was dancing in fields, totally intoxicated, was one thing that I didn't know about myself. And it was that I actually loved movement. Yeah. yeah? Mm -hmm. um, because sitting down nine to five became a lot harder. It's not what the body's built to do. You know, um, so from that, I was like, well, I'm so bored and I do not like being bored. What can I do? So exercise wise, I used to like do do a bit of swimming here and there, you know. Yeah. Um, and I decided to kind of go to like an aerobics class that because dance aerobics is just starting to come on the scene. Yeah. So I thought, I'll try that. I'll do that midweek. So off I went to a class and it was, it was hard. Yeah. And it wasn't quite the same as raving, but there was something in that, that I got a fix of something. Is that the endorphin kick? Yeah. yeah. So, but look at, if you look at the two things, there's the intoxication, the dancing in the field. Yeah. And then you've got the other side of that, that I'm doing it in a healthy way that's benefiting my health, giving me what I need, uh, making me feel more alive. And I'm always up for feeling more alive. Yeah. You know? And it was from that raving in the field that I actually discovered aerobics. Mm. And I went along to that more and more because I kind of discovered that I did love that as well. And that it was helping my body in, you know, I was feeling fitter, I was getting more toned, a little bit of weight dropped. And then we went off to America, me and my friend, we, right, we just went off and travelled America in the middle of all this. Left my job, off we went. Yeah. Right? And then it was time to come back and I thought, shit, what am I going to do when I go back? <laughs> I hadn't thought that through at all. Yeah. Oh God, I'm gonna have to go back home. Um, but what am I actually gonna do? And then the big, wonderful, inspiring question came, which said to me, what do you love doing? Oh, now that's a different thing to think about a different way. Yeah, what are you talking about this time? Sorry? What age were you around this time when you were coming back from the States? Oh, uh, mid-twenties, early, about 20, 23. Yeah, cool. Yeah. 
22, 23. So um, what do I love doing? Well, it was the, at that time, it was the discovery of the aerobics that I loved and the dance. And then we left. Yeah. And it was that that came to mind. Well, I love aerobics. I know, I'll go train to teach that. So I came home and that's what I did. And then that led, started to lead me on the path of health and fitness. Yeah. Um, and it certainly suited me a lot more. But the, the big point here is that I found that gift in that unhealthy action. Yeah. You found something to give you that spark. Yeah. And I believe that we can all transform. I don't believe it's about giving things up. That's never worked for me. Yeah. And I don't believe it works for many people out there because the minute we think we've got to give something up, we want it more. Mm. Yes. There's that feeling of deprivation. Yeah. Or the using will willpower. I'm no good with that. So I really do believe in looking for the transformation, looking for the essence of whatever that unhealthy habit is giving you. There's an essence to it. Yeah. And, it, and it's, it's below the habit. It's below the action. Yeah. In some way, it's giving you something. It's rewarding you. So if somebody's sitting on their backside every night, binge watching the soaps and stuff in their face. Yeah. What would you be hoping that they would find from that? Because if somebody's listening to this and they're thinking that's all I do every night, where am I going to find? What's the joy that I get from that? If they're doing it from a place of unhappiness, what would you suggest to them for that? I would look at what feeling it is fulfilling for them. What feeling is it fulfilling? Yeah. If you can get to that, Let's use an example. Um, like with my experience, people who tend to kind of do that, they may be just bored, stress relief, or and a bit picking up, or distraction. Yeah. Okay, so if you can get to the feeling that it's fulfilling. Just say, let's take, for example, that feeling, let's, let's name one, whatever. I don't know what, boredom. Mm -hmm. You know, when you just, this is what I do. When yeah. I'm bored, I'll watch whatever. And that rut. And I, yeah. Well, then once you know what that feeling is that you are feeling, because it is feeling the feeling. Yeah. Then you've got to just get a little bit deeper into yourself and ask yourself what, things do you enjoy doing or if you've forgotten what things did you used to enjoy doing yeah and look at the things and you can even go back to when you were a kid what you used to enjoy when you were a kid if you need to because there's it's there it's right there yeah you know that could have been um riding a bike it could have been making things being creative yeah find that find that Do you do, and then do you do any work with your clients like helping them do any sort of like hypnosis stuff to try and tap into that if they can't remember what they're what they like to do if they're just like I generally can't remember do you have like any tricks for them to tap into that old memory everybody will remember at some point if they're searching you know, everybody will yeah you know, just go back just keep going back what were you doing when you were you know, if I would, I would work with them to like find out if they can identify where that change happened. Mm. Because I don't think anybody, all of their lives, has been sat on a sofa binge watching stuff and eating. You might find new generations. That's all they're doing. Yeah, well, well, that's a story. <laughs> yeah. That will be beyond our time to help. <laughs> yeah, that, that that's another story. But yeah, yeah. Um, so if you're an adult just now, there was a life before the internet. So you did something. Yeah, or, or or ask yourself, what's missing? 
Mm, yeah. What's missing? Because you might then feel that it might be connection is a massive one, connection to other people. Yeah. And that's the driving force behind a lot of addictions is the lack of connection. Yeah. Yeah. And also people's lives these days, you know what I mean? It's all different. Like there's less community. People are so busy. Yeah. Um, people are filling loads and loads of different roles. Yeah. You know, but what we have to do is to come back to who we are and what makes us happy, what makes us feel alive. And we have to look at what we really need. Yeah. And it's not binge eating in front of the telly. No. That distracts us from what yeah. we really need. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it, you know what I mean? Like, it's, it, but but I, I don't think anybody would be happy doing that every night. No. I'm not judging it. As I wind you know? up, get off wind down every now and again, but not day in, day out. You know, don't get me wrong, you know, like once a week I watch that Gordon Ramsay I like at the moment, 24 hours to hell and back, and I'll get some, a little bowl of ice cream maybe, all right? It's plant-based. And I, <laughs> you know, but, but you know... And I'll stop at, I'll make myself stop at half a tub because it's so gorgeous, you know. Um, <laughs> but I so I'm not judging it and saying it's wrong. Yeah. But it's, you really can find a gift for yourself in your unhealthy habits that don't make you have it happy. Yeah. Because yeah. they're showing you something. However, it's, it's whether you're ready to go there. How would somebody know if they're ready? You know what? Normally there's two ways. The big one is, and I've done this myself with my drinking, that came years later, okay? <laughs> you get so frigging fed up. It's that, that saying, tired of being tired. Yep. You get so frigging fed up that it's actually easier to change. Mm, yeah but that's a bit of a shitty long journey there the other ones is a crisis you know like a, a health crisis or a relationship crisis or a, a wake-up call yeah those are the two main ones i think most people would want to get tired of being tired than have to face the crisis because the crisis yeah. is like rock bottom. Well, it depends what rock bottom is for you. Yeah. If I go, if I fast forward in my life, uh, what, 10, 15 years ahead. Okay, so I'd settled down, I'd moved cities, I'd got married and had two kids. Then got divorced. And I was a single mom with the two kids. One of them had um, turned out to have special needs with the ADHD and autism. Yeah. Oh, my God. That was just, like, hard. Yeah. Anybody hard. who has that in a child will know exactly what I mean, you know, when you because you have to battle the system for the help continuously. Mm. You know, your child doesn't fit in anywhere. There were times he wasn't at school. It was... Nobody knew what to do with him. Did you feel helpless with that? Oh, God, yeah. Yeah. Powerless. Mm. And angry. And angry as well. Yeah. Um, and that really was, I mean, I had that for a good few years, you know. Um, but there were two things that helped me through it. All right, and they're very, very opposites. Because this is the other thing people struggle with, contrasts. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? You're this and you're that. People yeah. find that really difficult. Mm -hmm. it's but we like, need contrasts. You know, yeah, yeah, or you feel like a fraud. Yeah. Yeah, well, you're not, let me tell you that. <laughs> but if, if you like that, you're not. The two things that got me through it, and both were equally as helpful, was one, meditation. That's where my meditation began. So then again... That's, that came through the shit. Yeah. Because I was dealing day in, day out. I, I honestly tell you, I used to 
have almost like a panic attack when my phone would ring in the, in the school day because I didn't know if he'd run away, maybe kill somebody, kill his, you know, hurt himself because of this behaviour. And, and honestly, that is no exaggeration. It, that's what I lived with. Yeah. Yeah. So any time my phone rang between nine and three, <gasps> okay, that is really not a healthy way to be every day. Yeah, yeah. Stress um, all the time, being triggered. Yeah. yeah. So that's where I found meditation. Mm. Again, I was, you know, uh, and I really got into meditation and every single day, Monday to Friday, at some point, I'd meditate for about 20 minutes. And then what that did was it turned down the stress response in my brain. And then when that phone call came, it'd go straight back up. But it wouldn't overtip because I was constantly turning myself back down. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it was only years later I really saw the benefit of that when I did some work with parents of kids with special needs and I saw the state of them. Mm. And I thought, oh my God, thank God for that meditation. For all those years every day because I've not tipped like that because I could see it completely and I could totally understand it I, I would get there to where they were were in this stress level yeah where that just becomes who you are the, the only difference with me is I'd turn it down every day yeah. so then it didn't become me if you know what I mean yeah. so I used to deal with that and then when the kids would go to dad at the weekend I would go out on a mad party binge mm. drinking. Like her, so I meditate a week yeah. and then binge drink all weekend. And I had it made really because I had my little place, um, which was just like this little tucked away bar, very unique. Friends of friends run it. You yeah. know, uh, they used to look after me. I used to go dance, drink, and. But that's where my tolerance for wine went really, really, really high. Yeah. You know, because there was no, there was no stop. Um, you can creep up on you quite quickly. Sorry? You can creep up on you quite quickly, that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Lots of people. There's so many people out there. I, I, do, I, I coach so many people with, well, let's say, they're not alcoholics. I was never an alcoholic either but they're so worried or fed up about the drinking habits yeah it's that is that is a sign of our times as well mm. but i was a binger and then i'd have a reward reward midweek and i'd have like probably about a bottle in the week i didn't drink loads and loads in the week because of work yeah uh, and but that was my lifestyle binge drinking and meditating and, and I'm, you know, I have to say, I'm being honest, it, the two work really well. Until they didn't. Years. Yeah. yeah. Um, I had fun with all this stress in my son and it was just about as bad as it gets. Yeah. But, but within all that stress, I, I had fun and I managed to, to relax myself as well. Yeah. I managed to deal with it. And... Then that sorted itself out, but that's another story. But that took a long time. Um, and by this time, my, uh, binge drinking and meditation was part of my life anyway. You know, it and then I, around some time, about three years ago, I decided, like when I could see what the meditation had done for me, I was truly, utterly amazed. Uh, absolutely amazed. And I, I saw that because I saw, let's just say, the state of other parents who'd been through what I'd been through. Yeah. I mean, and someone you can't, but you can't really compare me. Some might have had worse situations, some might have, but it was the same thing. But where, what they were like, you know, in, the, in their mindset, and how life was for them. Yeah. Like, that's when I really, really saw the benefit of this meditation. 
and and it just blew me away and I thought you know what I got to study this a bit mm-hmm. because this is just unreal so then I kind of trained to be a meditation teacher and that was a period of time I didn't really drink well I did that was that a I didn't but I didn't you know binge was and then I did that was it a conscious decision to not drink or was it just... No, it wasn't. No, no, no. Because I'd found something, I was learning. Yeah. And I was so engrossed in what I was learning, I wasn't that bothered. Mm. Yeah. So that's interesting too. Find something that, you know... Sparks an interest. Yeah. yeah. That, that absolutely speaks to your soul. Mm. Yeah. You know? Um... And so, so yeah, and I did that, qualified this meditation teacher and then went back to normal for a bit, you know, like partying and always meditating, always. Yeah. And um, then shortly afterwards, I started to set up like uh, mindfulness groups. So I used to teach mindfulness um, every Wednesday and that is when the drinking started to bother me not physically luckily I was so fit I think I got away with it you know but but mentally it started to bother me in the way that I started to feel uncomfortable with myself and my lifestyle yeah because I I used to get this little voice and everybody has these little voices yeah and it used to say hmm You re- do you realise, Jane, you're actually, this professor of psychology has paid you to teach her mindfulness. Yeah. Yet, you were uh, been shrinking at the weekend, you had a couple of glasses last night. Do you think you'd be any different if you hadn't had that? I used to get, I used to like kind of, that sort of voice used to start coming in yeah when I started to actually teach meditation and I used it used to bug me because the truth is I don't know I don't know if I'll be any different but the one thing that what bothered me was that I what I had even the question of am I fully present for this person yeah bothered me Mm. whether I was or I wasn't just having the question bothered me not enough to change quite but like it used to like it was there and then um it it used to be there all the time you know then I used to start to question am I in alignment with what I'm doing Mm. didn't bother me at all when it was just fitness (laughs) yeah but but when it sat when I went moved into like mind you know and um, I mean, I've always been a spiritual person myself. I do loads of things for myself. Um, and, it, and it didn't even bother me then. But when I started to teach, it did. Anyway, going ahead, not a few months later, I had a really stressful uh, situation. And basically, it was just a life event where I had given up loads of work to do my own business with the Pilates. So I'd just taken this risk. So I knew there was going to be a money loss and all this. Yep. Um, and one of the places I contracted at closed. At the, just, just when I'd done that, and I was like, oh, my God, what am I going to do? That was going to, like, get me through was I did this. Yeah. And that was when I noticed a difference in my drinking. I'd have a drink. And I think, ooh, what's that? I'd feel numb. I'd notice his numbness. I thought, ooh, what's that? It's like you're didn't a weird like, I, didn't, I, I didn't like it. Yeah. And then I'd have like a whole bottle instead of half a bottle midweek. Because I did I'd try and put my rules. I didn't have any rules when I wasn't working. I didn't have the kids. didn't have rules. But when I was, I did. Yeah. And I noticed that. But I, that there was a part of me that felt like I didn't really care. And it was because deeply down, I was so fed up with what had just happened. Mm. And then what, what absolutely did it was, um, 
it was a Friday night, me and my boyfriend would been to the hairdressers, we got a bottle of wine on the way back, we were going out with friends for an early meal, we drank this bottle of wine, we went out for a meal, we drank wine, 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 you know, and we came home early, early about 10 o'clock, we'd had a really good night, he went to the toilet, I put on the kettle to make a cup of tea, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, I had this emotional tantrum. Mm. And it all came out like, and, and he just come from saloon. and he's like, what the hell's happened? There I am, this big hot mess unraveling, bawling, you know, shouting, oh, this, oh, this, oh. But it was all coming out. And it wasn't pretty. Oh, no. But that, was, but that was my rock bottom. Yeah. It could have been a hell of a lot worse. Yeah. But it was my rock bottom because I did not know where the hell that had come from. We'd had a good night. I was making a cup of tea. It had gone to the toilet and I had this big emotional breakdown. Yeah. And that is when I was like, whoa. Whoa. I felt completely out of control. Do you think it was, now looking back on it, it was emotions that you had suppressed by your weekend binging? Yeah, it was after, it was when that stress came of the job thing. Yeah. And I had, I literally had not realised how stressed I am. At that time, I didn't realise how stressed I was. Yeah. How absolutely pissed off I was, to be honest, as well. Yeah. Um... Another thing is, I, when I felt emotionally stressed, I would curb my drinking. But I didn't recognise this sort of stress. It was practical. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was different. But the big, big thing was, how do I know I won't do that again? Where did that come from? It freaked me out. Yeah. And, like, and then I took a good damn honest look at myself. And, and I couldn't get over this horrible feeling of out of control. Mm. And I looked at myself and I saw myself doing what I did every week. And do you know what I used to do? I used to say, I won't do that next weekend. I'll only have a bit. Mm. I won't drink till Friday. I'll drink Wednesday. Yeah. I, you know... And I failed and failed every single bloody week. In fact, I look back, I only said that to make myself feel better about what I was doing. Yeah. At the time. I didn't mean it. Yeah. Right? Um, but when I looked at that honestly and for how long I'd been doing that, and on top of this, there'd now been this voice saying to me, are you in alignment with what you're doing? You know, I, I, I'd had that for a good few months now. Me saying to me, are you in alignment with what you're doing? And not being able to say yes. Yeah. Because I didn't actually know if I was or I wasn't. So when I took a look at all that, I kind of knew. If I was to carry on drinking, it would be like dropping down a level. It would take me down in my self-belief. It would take me down in how I felt about myself. It would take me down in my level of confidence within. Yeah. I'd also have the added worry of not knowing if like, I might have a, an emotional breakdown again. Mm. And the worst, worst, worst thing of the lot is not being able to trust myself. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Oh, God. So what do I do? And I thought, well, I can't say. I can't honestly say that I'm not going to drink. And I looked two weeks ahead at that point. And in two weeks, my boyfriend's mum was coming over. We were all going to the theatre to see my kids in a show. We're going to have this big meal. I knew what I'd do. Because mm. I've done it so many times before. 
even if I got to that two weeks, which I have done in the past, I'd be like, right, I've been good, I can drink. Yeah. And, I w- and then I'd go back to how I was. Yeah. Right? I have done that one time and time and time and time and time and time and again. Mm. You know? Yeah. So I knew what would happen. And everywhere I looked, it was like, shit. Shit. I can't trust myself. And so it was like, right, I've got to make some kind of massive commitment. And I actually knew what to do and where to go if I was willing to do that. Yeah. I have someone, I know someone who runs a retreat centre who's like, you know, ex-alcoholic, ex-been bankrupt, been, been through the lot. Yeah. And he's now just living this completely different life and founded uh, addiction programs, you know, based and, and hers was kind of based on meditation. So, yeah. And I. The meditation. Pardon? You were already doing the meditation. Yeah, so. yeah. So that was going to suit me. Yeah, I yeah, know. Yeah. Um, I was going to get it. I, I wasn't going to have to learn anything there. Yeah. But the reason why I called her up was because. I called her up because I had so much respect for her. I used to read her blogs. I liked who she was. She worked for me. And I knew that if I went on one of her programs, to fail at that would be like kicking truth in the teeth. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. Because I believed in everything. I knew what she said and what she was doing. I knew that was truth. Yeah. And I knew that if I called her up, there was no way I could fail because the one thing I wasn't prepared to do was fail on what I truly believed in, what I truly valued. And I don't think anybody wants to do that for themselves. Yeah. So the other thing in overcoming is find what you truly value. Yeah. And connect it. Make a connection. You know? Yeah. To what you want and what you truly value. And if you can connect those two, you have your intrinsic motivation, which can get you through anything. Yeah. Right? And mine was... Um, the spirituality, the, 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 the deeper truth, the deeper self, the meditation, that, that's something I really value. That's what she had. That's what she was living. I had it, but I wasn't, quite, I wasn't living it. I wasn't quite in alignment because yeah. of my lifestyle. When I picked up that phone and called her and said, Hi, and, and we've met before anyway. We kind of we knew each other, yeah. And um, so I wasn't like a stranger and said, I want to come on. I said, and I said, Right, no, no, I don't want to do one play, I'm gonna pay it up front right now for the whole frigging year on my card. Get your card reader. And once that was done, I put that phone down, and I will never, ever, 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 as long as I forget. Well, sorry, as long as I live, I will never forget the feeling of relief that came over me. Crikey! Yeah. I must have been a hell of a lot more bothered than what I realised mm. to feel that level of relief and inner peace. It was like my soul spoke to me. My soul spoke to me and said, thank God we're through that bit in your life. Yeah, I heard it. Well, I, whoa, what was that? Right, big lifestyle change then, again. This was only two, two years ago. Yeah. I've never failed once on this. I've never gone back. But I was never going to. Yeah. Because I made a commitment from my own truth. Who I was, what I believed in, what I valued. I made my commitment from there. Yeah. So I was never going to fail. There was not one person around me who believed I would do this. Yeah. It freaked the fuck out of people. Oh, I did. That's sorry, so no, pardon. That's yeah. no, you can it's <laughs> that it must have been totally really hard. It totally freaked the fuck out of everybody yeah. around me. Yeah. I was the party girl. I was a big drinker. I was the one who was always leading them astray so I could go out and have a good time. And if I couldn't do that, it'd be come round, we'll have wine, we'll have fun, come to mine. That was what I did all the time for years. 
that yeah. and but a lot no. of them needed you to be like that to give them yeah. to be like that so by yeah, that's that even brings up their shit yeah 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 and I tell you what none of them believed me for a moment and that's fine because I wouldn't have believed me either I wouldn't have believed me yeah but it causes a lot of disconnect and that, that's another thing to deal with. And a lot of people have this in lifestyle change. You know what I mean? If you're, say, let's say for example, if you're the fat friend, you know, I've seen this one, that person, you're, you're somebody's fat friend, if you like, it freaks people out when you lose the weight. Mm. This isn't my personal thing, but this is, I've seen this. Yeah, I've seen that happen in relationships. Where husbands and yeah. wife, both of them have been heavier and one of them's gone on a journey and it's destroyed their marriage because they both weren't able to go on the journey at the same time because they just weren't in alignment anymore. Yeah, disconnects, disconnects. And then people, it freaks people out. And some come round and others don't. Yeah. So when you make a big lifestyle change, a big one, you will lose some people. Or your relationship with them will change massively. Yeah. yeah. But you know what? I always, and this is where people need help, support, and accountability. Yeah. Because you've got that going on, and you're dealing with your, your, your bloody habit change. Mm. Because when you've been doing a behavior for a long, long time, and it's sort of part of your lifestyle, and it's sort of who you identify yourself as. Well, you have to discover who you are without that. Mm. And that can be you kind can't of just lonely. Stop. Yeah. That can be kind of lonely, especially if all the people who you thought were your friends and your support network are no longer there because the one thing that was connecting you is the thing that you want rid of. Yeah. Yeah. Now, two years down the line, I actually now do some coaching for Joe's programme myself. Yeah. You know. So that's how much it resonated with me. You know, um, and I, I work uh, sort of like I'm a guide for her, just in her groups. Yeah. Um, uh, so I did it. I did it. But but it is a journey of so many different things. Mm. And do you find now that you've been through this, that having lost those people who you were once connected to through your partying and stuff that's now made room for new people to come in your life and absolutely healthier connections with them yeah it absolutely does now I was quite lucky I must say in that area yeah and I see people who don't have what I had yeah and it's a lot worse for them because there are some people out there because I, I, I speak to them on the groups and things who literally that's all they have you know that's all the life like so they lose a lot more than I did luckily I've always been somebody I've had a lot of different types of friends around me yeah I always had friends who were very spiritual and healthy I have my party friends yeah I have the neutral friends so I didn't suffer any great loss yeah and basically it, there was a couple of surprises, but then over time the relationships just changed and nobody's fallen out. I might just not, might not see them. I might only see them now and again. We don't, we're not in each other's lives anymore, but there's no great fallout. Yeah, and that could still have happened even if you were still in your old life. Mm. Like, because relationships are continually evolving and changing. Because yeah. two people live in two separate lives and they're in line for some of the time and not in line. And that, waves in and out of different relationships with different people yeah yeah but that's massive for people that's huge mm. that's huge because there's people those people around you when you make a big lifestyle change and they'll try to pull you back into it mm. now a lot of them don't do it intentionally either it's not malicious yeah you might get you might get the odd one if you have one of those they've got to go they've got to go 100 yeah they've got to no there's no compromise but most people don't do it intentionally they have to learn how to relate to you as this other person this new person yeah you know so you've got to kind of give them time and allowances as well you know yeah 
and they'll just drift away if it's not meant to be and it'll all oh, they'll come around it'll be fine but people need the cheerleaders people need the support systems and people need the people who around them who will keep them accountable to making that change yeah until it's done you know, um, you see, for me, I've had to find new ways to entertain myself. Yeah. That was, that's been the biggest hard thing with the drinking. It's like, and this is the same with many other changes that people make in lifestyle. It's like, what then? What do you do? What, what now? What, and it's that so freaky, the continuing the behavior. I get that totally. So what do you do? What do I do? Yeah. Well, it's taken a long time, but within that commitment I made to myself, there was one thing I did, did in that commitment, and this is what I help people with who I work with, because it's, it's, it works. I decided right from the start that the only way to do this was I had to make myself happy about it every step of the way. Otherwise, I wasn't going to do it, right? So then, yes, well, I started to look around at things that, that took my interest. So I, used, I did different things, you know, like I was always involved or, or I was quite, I had a very open life, if you know what I mean, very open-minded life with lots of different people in and, you know, so I started to like i used to go to I, I go to more spiritual events you know if i see somebody who's doing a fire ceremony in the woods yeah to to well oh i'm there <laughs> because that is to me that's getting out of my head yeah and that's obviously the thing i really like doing if you go look back at the, the drugs and the raving the drinking the that's what i like doing yeah i like getting out of this normal reality I think that's what that whole I just, we've seen was about though was about people trying to get out of their heads yeah and it just and I think that's that what we need it came in because if you because like I listen to the dance and trans music now and there's a thing up in Scotland called sober clubbing and it's all old club tracks like from the old school rave days but everybody there is stone cold sober everybody still tunes into the music the same way as they did when they were taking the drugs because the rhythms yeah. of the music and everything connects to your body and it's that vibrational frequency. And I think in the Raven days, that was certainly something that we were all looking for, was just that higher vibration, not realising that if you had just gone and tuned in at the music, you probably would have got that anyway without the hangover and come down. Definitely. And you just said something there, which just is a really important point. You know, when it comes to like, let's just look at the drinking or, or, or stuff like that. Um, anything you feel comes from within you mm. you know like people will drink for more confidence yeah or to feel sexy or to feel whatever reason or to or to be sociable social social anxiety whatever no the drink doesn't give you that it doesn't it is within you yeah you cannot feel anything that's not within you mm. and that's a really important thing to remember yeah yeah, it's the, you know, because, and, yeah, and all you have to do is find the circumstances on the people which brings it out yeah. in you without the substances, without the distraction, without the unhealthy habits, yeah. because it's there. And that's been my journey. That's, that's been my whole personal journey, finding that, you know, I can, I can now stay in at a weekend and not do much. That was that took a while for me. I used to want to go out and dance and party. That was the hard thing. I used to feel bored, irritable for a while. But you have to sit with the feeling. You've got to sit with the feeling. Yeah. You know, and it passes. It bloody passes. Mm. And it, with every little trigger and every time you overcome one of them little things, you upgrade in yourself, in your self-belief, in how you feel about yourself, your energy uplifts. Every single, every single little tiny trigger. You know, it's simple as well. I go out in nature. I know that if I'm feeling a little bit bored or, you know, irritated physically, now I go out and walk in nature. I go to nature a lot more. Yeah. I've even got a favourite tree, right? This particular tree, I go sit near that. I take my mandala blanket, I sit there and I'm happy. Yeah. 
I would never have done that as a drinker. Yeah. And I got into food as well. Got into cooking, up some skills in nutrition. I get really excited about making recipes that don't have any refined sugar in or wheat. I get so excited about that. Yeah. I never give a crap when I was drinking. Yeah. So it's about, you've got to replace, you've got to replace. Yeah. Because I think alcohol numbs so much and really flat. It numbs everything. Yeah, it numbs everything and flattens your vibration. So you can't. Completely. You struggle to want to be healthier and you struggle to get that motivation because everything's so suppressed. Definitely. And I'll tell you one thing that shocked me to the core about alcohol and I think this is the one reason probably out of them all that I haven't gone back to just having a few drinks here and there because I, I can do that I can do that yeah if I wanted I'm not an alcoholic I wasn't somebody it's like don't take another drink again or you'll die yep. my life wasn't hadn't fallen apart yeah you know um but there was one thing that shocked me to the core I knew, I think we all know, we've all read, there's this thing, alcohol is a depressant. Yeah. I already knew that because I'd read it, seen it loads of times. But how I read that was, if you have depression, don't drink alcohol because it'll make you more depressed. That's how I read that. And I thought, well, that doesn't apply to me because I may have had a lot of things, but I, I'm not a depressed person. I don't suffer from feeling depressed, depression. Like, don't, that's why I can drink. And that's how I read that. Well, my God. After seven weeks of not drinking, I really understood that meaning. Because let's just say, generally, on a scale of one to ten, my mood level, my general everyday mood, on a scale of one to ten, let's say it was about seven. Yeah. No matter what. Well, my God. After seven weeks without alcohol, that mood lifted to a nine. Yeah. And I felt that and I could not believe it. And it was like, shit, that's what it means by a depressant. Yeah. yeah. The level, the uplift in my mood, in my thoughts. Yeah. Whoa. And I don't want to lose that. I don't want to lose that. Yeah. But then it becomes normal and you forget. And that's when people go back. But I, I didn't forget. Yeah. So what would you say to somebody who's listening to this just now that is having the one glass of wine every night and having maybe a couple of bottles at the weekend? What would, what would you say to them as their very first step? Well, it depends which way you look at it. I mean, I would think the easiest thing is the first step is like, that is, so you're talking about kind of drinking every day, maybe not on a Sunday. The one glass of wine affects you a lot friggin' more than what you know. Yeah. Right, if you do it all the time, it affects your sleep, it yeah. affects your mood, and it affects your productivity, no matter what you think. Yeah. Okay, and I know that. Yeah? Yeah. Because I know the difference without it. Mm. I would say as a first step, aim to not drink for three days on the trot. Yeah. Even if you drink... Three glasses of wine on day four instead of one a day. Aim for the three days to four days without anything. And just be your Because that'll clear you. That, that, that will, you know. Yeah. I'm not saying binging is any better, but I know the reality of this, you know. Yeah. So just starting with a, a few days off and becoming aware of your mood, your emotions, your energy. Yeah. Just your sleep. sleep. Yeah. Because when you feel the difference in a good way, that's what that's the first thing that you want to get to. Yeah. Is to feel good. Because then you want more of it. Yeah. So if so if somebody was drinking like a little bit every night, I'd say go three or four days without. And then, and that's enough to, to get a better sleep and to, and with the better sleep, then they'll see the effect on the productivity, on the energy levels, and they'll be a bit like, oh, they'll feel the difference. And it's a good feel, so therefore you want more. Yeah. That is the first thing, that's the first thing I would say. Yeah. 
And what about the I know that just binge at the weekends? Oh, that's difficult, you know, because the reality of that is if you, this is what I think, right, from my own experience. Yeah. If you're already a binger and you don't have that stop once you start, then the only way to do it is to stop. Yeah. I'm sorry, that is the truth. Oh, you know, try and be sensible. I've tried it all. You know what I mean? It's in, it might work for other people. Say like, you, you see, wine was my thing. You know what I mean? But, but wine, um, I, but I did this, just have wine and soda, it'll last longer, but it doesn't, you drink it quicker. Yeah. It depends what type of binger you are and where you're at. But basically if you've got a problem with binge drinking, then the, you just not got to do it at all. Stay in for a night. Yeah. And just do less of it. You have to find whatever it is that stops you. So yeah. if you're the person that has one drink which turns into 20, that one if you're at that stage, if you're at that stage, the first drink. Yeah. if you're at that stage, you've got an issue. Yeah. Right. And look, and it doesn't work to try cut down binge drinking because you are trying to moderate the substance that takes away your ability to moderate. Yeah. Where's the frigging sense in that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, no judgment. It took me how many years to work that one out? But that's the truth. That is the friggin' truth. You are using the, trying to moderate the substance that completely takes away your ability to moderate. Yeah. So if you're already binging, that ain't gonna work. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, just try, you gotta get, you know, just, um, but like, you know, people don't have to stop completely either. I'm not saying that's the right thing to do. It, it, it turned out to be the right thing for me, which I don't know if it's it'll, if I'll do it forever, you know? Yeah. Um, but I don't like to put limits on myself, you know what I mean? I like to feel free. I'm free in this. I am free. And feeling free is the most important thing. Yeah, definitely. So if I want a drink, I'll bloody have one. You know, I just choose not to. And I've been tested in the worst times, and I've I've not. Yeah. I had one oh one cocktail in Ibiza. That was a kind of a mistake, right? Um, and it made me feel so ill after like a year and a half. Yeah. But yeah. but you know what? That's when I knew I was glad that happened because that's when I knew that I was kind of like over. Cured of that binging because that, that decision, that right decision. I didn't want another. Yeah, I didn't want another because I'd gone so far, and you're talking a year. Yeah, over a year, I would say probably. Let's go say about 14, 16 months before you can do that. Yeah, that ain't going to be what people want to hear. That is not going to be what people want to hear, but it's the truth. Yeah, and like you said right back at the start, they have to want to make the change. Yeah. If they don't yeah. want to make the change, all attempts are just going to be attempts. They're not going to be success. Yeah. I mean, I had loads and loads and loads of attempts. You know, I, can't, I could just couldn't tell you how many. Yeah. You know, but I was never really serious. And, and you know, you, you, you know, you can cut down. That works for you. But if, you, if you're a binger, I would definitely, you cannot just have, you can't even have the first drink. Yeah. Because how many months? Have a night without. Your best, if you're a binger, what you're best doing is choosing to have a whole night without. And it's a very good test. Go do something else that you would not associate with drink. Maybe that's going to the pictures. Yeah. Mind you, I'd probably still have a drink in the pictures if you can now, can't you? If I was there, I'd probably take wine in if you could. But it's got to be something that you would not associate with drink. That's fun. And then it, just to just to have, yeah, just to have a night off. Yeah. It's that it's all yourself that there's more fun than just going out boozing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You get into your real fun then. You get into what, what really is fun. When you, when you transform that stuff, you, you get, it's, you know, uh, you find out what real fun is. 
Yeah, and then when you experience that fun, you don't wake up the next morning going, I'm never doing that again. Whereas how many times when you go out drinking, you wake up the next morning going, I'm never doing that again. But then do it the Well, next- actually, if I'm honest, I probably might wake up and say that, but at least I can own it in sobriety. <laughs> <laughs> hey, there's a chair, it's worth it. I might say that, but I can own it. <laughs> you know it's different yeah yeah different <laughs> it's like it's not all been like you know all lovely I've seen that I am I am um, I can see why I would need to drink to numb as well you know what I mean yeah. dealing with the emotions that come up and the boredom and I can understand why I did it yeah it's like good grief it's not easy being the real me and it's society, it's accepted by society, like because drink, drinking's legal, totally acceptable. And when you go, when you watch movies and TV shows, everybody's always sitting with a drink. Like there's always bottles of wine being opened, and everybody's meeting in the pub, and everything revolves around that going for a drink. So when you're seeing that constantly, that becomes what you think is normal in reality. Oh yeah, it's it's we use it to celebrate everything. Yeah, everything. And you are, and that's the hard thing about giving it up because you have to get used to doing all that without a drink. You know, a wedding, my God, going to a wedding without a drink, that was that was the biggie for me. I had the most boring birthday of my life the first time because my birthday was an excuse to drink every day for a week. Yeah. On my birthday, you know? Celebrate, let's celebrate for a week. I had the most frigging boring birthday of my entire life. So the next year I said, let's go to Glastonbury and go see, you know, and do something a bit, you know, so that I, because I didn't want to re-experience the most boring birthday of my life. Yeah. You You have to go through it. Um, Yeah. yeah. The the, the wedding, Christmas, Christmas. Oh God. First Christmas. (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I felt really irritated physically a bit twitchy and I didn't know why because I didn't I'd, I'd got rid of all the head stuff that tells you you want to drink I never let that in once I committed anywhere yeah and if it did I, I would talk to talk to it once you once you get that commitment and what you value you, you you're in control anyway you can always you know you but it's an effort yeah because you have to like work at work on it you know but yeah. but um but christmas yeah hmm but, but you know it's it, once you've done it once it's it's you learn from it yeah. and, and you make the next time better yeah so yeah, yeah. interesting it, it is out of every single life change i've ever made and i'm even talking motherhood being the biggest one of them all yeah. alcohol yeah. yeah i think yeah that's probably been like I haven't drunk now for maybe four years, maybe longer. I don't know, but I wow. just got fed up of it. Got fed up of the hangovers. Got fed up with how long hangovers were lasting. Got fed up of not actually enjoying the night out because I either didn't remember it or I had got so drunk that I wasn't having fun anymore. It's like, yeah, no, this is no good. So, yeah, I just phased it out. Wow. And just so did it not change? Did it not change your life massively? Or I don't know. I think because I had just gradually phased it. Yeah, that was. It wasn't a. It, it wasn't a. Oh my god! I need to make this change. It was just I don't want to do this yeah. anymore. So I yeah. started going. Oh, I'll drive tonight. Yeah. And all my pals liked it because we didn't need to then wait for taxis when we came out. So they were like, "Yeah, Jen doesn't drink anymore." Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> they were quite happy that I wasn't drinking because it meant they could all get steaming and I would drive and we would still go to club nights and stuff like that. I used to still go out lots, but gradually over time, yeah, it's just just, just phased yeah, it. But do you know what? There's a big misconception about people who are addicted, yeah? Yeah. They're seen as weak, hmm. generally. Yeah. I say the opposite. I say the complete opposite. Somebody who transforms an addiction or a big unhealthy habit, if you like to call it, they are the strongest people on the planet. Yeah. 
And, you know, the addiction teaches you something. If you transform an addiction, you will never, ever, ever live a mediocre life again. Yeah. Anybody that I know or work with that as an addict in recovery does amazing things. Yeah. Amazing. You things. can't think in a normal way. You've got to think in a different way. You've yeah. got to. You, it connects you to the deepest part of you. And at the end of the day, that's, that's really what we all want. So yeah. we're lucky ones. Yeah. You know what I mean? You see, we're lucky. Yeah. It's just not an easy journey. You know? Yeah. But then you come out the other side stronger for it. Yeah. And yeah, it's awesome. So, yeah. uh, thank you so much for being on today's podcast. If any of the listeners want to know more about your work, where is the best place for them to find you on social media? Um, Facebook, Jane Spensley Wellbeing and Coaching. Uh, or Instagram, Jane Spensley. Um, and oh, I've got a website as well, Jane Spensley Wellbeing. Cool. I'll put the links to them in the show notes so that um, it wants to yeah, check yeah. your work or get yeah. with you, but anything can get yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that story. I think it will really resonate with so many people because. I hope so. I hope so. I think addiction comes in so many different shapes and forms. It's not. Oh, it does homeless lying on the street with a needle in your arm it's, oh is it heck it's so yeah. it's so varied the the things so i really think that what you've shared today will really resonate with people and hopefully it'll give somebody a little bit of hope or a little bit of inspiration or a little bit of motivation to take the next step and do what they need to do or just a little bit more awareness because they might not be ready yet but when they are remember yeah. Just, I would say, just remember that there's a huge gift for you in tran in transformation. Yeah, you'll be happier than what you can ever have imagined in a deeper way. You'll discover who you really are, um, and you will have a feeling of freedom that you couldn't possibly imagine right now. It's all there waiting. Yeah, definitely. That's what I'd say. Yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. Thank you so so much for being on today's podcast. My pleasure. I've quite enjoyed myself. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to today's podcast. It's always lovely to be able to share information with you. Now, if you want to check out what's going on in the world of Warrior Women Project, come and join us over on Instagram. We are at Warrior Women Project or check out the website for any workshops, events and retreats that I have going on. And as always, if you can pop over to iTunes just to give us a review, five star review would be amazing if you love these podcasts. If you're on SoundCloud, give us a little heart. Share the podcast with anyone that you think that may benefit from hearing anything that we have to share in any of these podcasts. So thank you so much for your time and your feedback and your energy. Much love and I will speak to you on the next podcast.